Hello and welcome to the Octopus Revenue Podcast. This is an educational and informative podcast series all about hotel revenue management. We have some great discussions for you in each episode to give you insights and tips on all of the major issues facing us in the hospitality industry. It's no revelation to any of you that COVID-19 has had a major impact on our industry. The big question is though, how do we bounce back and how do we do it safely? We want to help you get an understanding of what's going on and how those of us in the revenue management community can effectively and proactively respond and plan for recovery. There's never been a better time to share ideas and pass on knowledge to support one another because the road out of this might be long, but we're all on that road together. In this episode, I'm joined by Steph Gibson, Director of Revenue Management at Chris Stewart Group. We will hear Steph's thoughts on how the cancellation of the Edinburgh Festival will impact the city and her thoughts around the proposed transient visitor levy. I enjoyed catching up with Steph, especially as I used to live and work in Edinburgh and it's always been a market close to my heart. Hi Steph, great to have you join us today. Hi Sarah, nice to speak to you. Just for the listeners, Steph, would you mind just giving us a brief overview of your role in the company? Yeah, of course. So as you said, I work for the Chris Stewart Group. We've got three service department buildings in Edinburgh underneath the Cheval brand. Uh, we also have a hotel in Edinburgh under the Courtyard by Marriott brand. And we've got some new projects coming alive in the next few years um, across Edinburgh and Glasgow. So um, an exciting time for our company at the moment. Sounds exciting. So how have you found the last four months during lockdown and what would you say have been your biggest challenges throughout? Well, I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster for everybody, hasn't it? But um, I mean, I've, I've worked throughout, so I am very grateful for that. Um, there's many, many, many people in our industry that can't share that um, at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been odd. Um, I've been homeschooling, as has a huge majority of the population. So that's always been a bit of a challenge, trying to do the schooling and the work all at the same time and trying to, you know, balance a Zoom call with, you know, your children having activities to do at the same time. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, been, it's been interesting, shall we say. And there's been ups and downs, but overall, it's, uh, it's, it's been good, I think. Yeah, the homeschooling has definitely threw up challenges across the board, I think. And I think now hotels are looking to reopen, Steph, they're looking at plans, etc. And trying to find a way of how they can trade in line with current guidelines. I think a lot of their em- emphasis at the moment has been around health and hygiene. How are you preparing mentally right now? And what areas from a revenue management perspective are you focusing on? Yeah, so we've been in a fortunate position, actually, that one of our properties has remained open throughout the whole of lockdown. So from that perspective, we're probably a step ahead of the curve, just that um, our building's operational, all our health and hygiene changes that we have to make have been made and and they're working, you know, uh, which is good. We've got um, facial temperature gauges. I think that's the right word for them as you walk through the front door. Um, You know, we've got... Our two metre social distancing um, stickers on the floor, so it's really clear for people where they go. But we're also in a fortunate position that because we're service departments, we do contactless check-in, we do keyless access. All that was part of the fabric of our building before anyway. So from that perspective, from an operational perspective, we're definitely um, probably more organised than some of our our peers that have been closed throughout. Um, 
mentally feel it's really difficult because I mean a lot of the work that I'm doing at the moment is trying to assess the business and assess the demand and see when exactly we're going to be able to open up some more buildings Um, and as we gradually do bring some more staff into the building it's you know I personally myself went in one day this week because I had a project that needed me to be on site and uh, it was quite nerve-wracking I was exhausted afterwards I hadn't really anticipated the kind of the mental exhaustion that was going to come with doing something as trivial as going to work you know but it it did. It took its toll by the end of the day. So it was, it was very strange. And I think we need to be mindful of that for all our staff and guests as they do return. And how have you kept up to date with trends? Have you had any specific go-to tools that you've utilised over the last few months? And have they changed from what you typically would have used in the past as a revenue manager? Well, I don't know if they've changed as such. Um, I think I, along with every other RM in the country, has probably been addicted to the STR um, webinars every Thursday or every second Thursday they've been they've been brilliant um, get giving us really good insights especially at the beginning I felt that they were really really good um, I think I've used LinkedIn a lot a little bit more than normal um, reading other people's articles reading other people's opinions you know getting ideas and guides um, but on a whole um, information has been more limited so it, it's just been about finding the little bits of data that you you can get your hands on and trying your best to apply them across your business. And we've learned a while back that the Edinburgh Festival will not be taking place this year for the first time in over 70 years. So August for Edinburgh hotels will be very different this year. Do you see Edinburgh becoming a domestic leisure hotspot as it may be the first summer in a long time that's actually more affordable for guests? Not sure. I hope so. Um, I mean, the, the positives for August is that it will definitely be more affordable. The schools in general will still be on holiday. Certainly the English schools will still be on holiday. Um, it's easy to get to. There's lots of green space in Edinburgh. I mean, there's loads of positives. Uh, so I do hope it becomes a bit of a hotspot for domestic leisure. But there's no doubt that the festival and everything that came with the festival, you know, all the the book festival, the fringe, everything, the tattoo, of course. Um, it's going to be a massive knock to the city for the month. Um, I mean, we average about 430,000 visitors every August just going to festival events. So, you know, we just don't have the footfall this year that we've had in previous years. And when I look back at stats, if we take the average occupancy for the last three Augusts, it's coming out at 91.9% occupancy. Are you willing to put a number on what you think August occupancy will get up to this year? Do you have a prediction at all? Oh, I'd love to have a prediction. Uh, it, it, I think it's going to be sub 50%. Um, I mean, I know that's really vague, but as I said, one of our properties has managed to remain open. So, you know, we're doing a really good occupancy on a kind of Tuesday, Wednesday night at the moment, um, which is unusual. We're normally a leisure based business, but because of the type of essential traveller that we're allowed to house at the moment. And of course, there is no holidaymakers. Uh, we've turned in a little bit more of a corporate trend. So Tuesday, Wednesday has been more busy than a Saturday, which is totally unheard of for us normally. So. I think the thing is for us, um, what happens when other hotels open? Because I can look at the business that we're doing now and trend that through. Of course I can. But 
as other hotels open up, the small amount of travellers that are coming to the city are going to get spread a bit more thinly. Um, so I'm just trying to keep an eye at the moment as to when other properties are going to open and try to gauge how much of that business we may lose to either a bigger brand or the hotel that they would normally stay at or you know even an area um, that they would normally stay at that's, that's being closed. So it's really, really difficult to put your finger on a number at the moment, really difficult. And this is likely to evolve over the next sort of four to six weeks as hotels start to reopen their doors and the supply increases. Yeah, we were hoping to see a bit of a bounce um, in pickup after the the last two announcements from the First Minister. Um, And we have seen a little bit, um, but I think people are just going to be so cautious and not make decisions until they're absolutely ready to, you know, get in their car and drive to the location as such. Yeah. And I mean, Edinburgh is widely known on the international stage and has relied upon a high percentage of international visitors over the years. I read an article in the Caterer recently discussing the proposed transient visitor levy. And just for the listeners, this is the like a city tax that um, the council are looking to introduce, which is £2 per room per night. How do you think this will impact tourism moving forward, Steph? And do you think the TVL is a good move or not? Um, so I've kind of got two answers for this, if I'm honest. Um, I read that article in the Caterer as well, and I was surprised with how much support um, it, it had. I wouldn't have said it was that much, because talking in amongst the industry in Edinburgh, people are not as keen as certainly that article would indicate. Um Pre-COVID, I don't think it was going to make too much of a difference. I think people would have came to Edinburgh regardless because of all the events, you know, because of the type of city it is and how desirable it is. Post-COVID, I'm not convinced um, it will be widely received very well at all. Um, It's just another cost for a tourist that, you know, that might be the two pounds that sways them between Edinburgh and, and somewhere else um, in the country that doesn't have that on top of it. It'll also depend on how hotels do deal with it. Do you include it in the rate? Do you add it on? You know, it's it's um, it's going to be a bit of a minefield. I'll be surprised if it does actually come to fruition in 2021. However, I would really like to see that being pushed back an extra year or so. And what is Edinburgh doing as a city to help the rebound? especially in the current climate where the likes of marketing Edinburgh and the Convention Bureau have been hibernated? Yeah, it's really difficult at the moment with us not having a Convention Bureau, but um, Edinburgh as a city pulls together really well. Um, so we've got um, ETAG, which work with this, uh, as a fraction of the Scottish Enterprise, the Edinburgh Tourism Action Group. They're doing an awful lot towards trying to pull the city together, you know, and really drive the city um, where we don't have representation elsewhere. Um, I'm actually quite involved with a small sub-focus group within that group uh, for business tourism. So it's, it's good. The city's pulling together, um, you know, from restaurants to the EICC to hotel companies. You know, it's a real wide range of people. Um, I think the city as a whole will come together and sell as a city really well. What I'm a bit more concerned about is how we're represented globally um, as a destination at the moment when we're coming up against you know even Glasgow for example that's got a really strong convention bureau and they're going representing selling the city we just don't have anybody doing that for us at the moment. And I think the demand for Edinburgh will always remain 
strong, especially over the summer months. It's just a question of when those international travel bans um, will be lifted, I suppose. Yeah, and keeping an eye on the, the quarantine status is the other the other big hot point at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, revenue managers rely a lot on their tools to make informed decisions. Rate shopping data, just to use that as an example, is not really relevant to use as a guide right now, given that teams are furloughed and hotels are still closed. What are you using as a guideline to set your pricing? Um, so over the last couple of months, we've actually, for the, the property that, that's remained open, we have had a flat rate structure in. Um, we didn't feel it was morally right to charge too much for these rooms. Um, but equally, it was made business sense. We wanted to get as much business through the doors to keep as many people employed as, as we possibly could. So um, where we would normally be very used to a really dynamic pricing structure it's it's not been the case over the last couple of months um, and I think that might be something we may have to adopt moving forward it will really depend on what we see our competitors doing as and when they open up I mean there's a lot of very very rock bottom prices in Edinburgh at the moment um, we just need to make sure that as a, as a city and I think this goes for all cities actually not just Edinburgh you need to make sure that you know, we are keeping the integrity of the rate relatively high for future years because what we don't want to happen is that everybody fights for the same piece of business and drives the rate through the floor. Um, yeah, and just keeping an eye on the wider city. You know, some of the rate shopping that I do includes properties that I would never pit us against on, in a normal trading environment. But, you know, you need to you need to really look at the market from the customer's um, viewpoint and really decide where you want to be placed within within what is available. You mentioned before you you checked the, the pickup of rooms after the last two announcements from the First Minister. So you're looking at your own property to see what the pickup is. Do you use other tools such as um, Forward Star, which I think was born in Edinburgh, to see if that pickup is the same across the city? Yeah, I use Forward Star a lot. We've got... Um, two really good reports from Forward Star. We use the whole sub-market and then we've got kind of a narrow-down comp set as well. Some weeks it makes interesting reading. Some weeks there's absolutely no movement. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of use that an awful lot at the moment. And how do you see distribution channels changing over the coming months? Will direct channels overtake OTAs, do you think? Do you know, initially I thought they would. I thought consumers would be far more comfortable to book on brand web Um rather than using a, a big OTA or a travel agent. However, the small amount of pickup that we have been seeing, I would say the trend is back to where it was before. Without naming names, um, we have one property that that's heavily OTA-led, um, and the pickup has all been OTA-led again. So, yeah, just keeping an eye on it to see if that trend is something that's going to continue. Uh, we all know that the big OTAs are going to have far more marketing budget than the independent brands. Um, so it just really depends who's first in the races, I guess, uh, in terms of Google searches and where you appear. So, yeah, I don't think it's probably going to change that much. It's interesting because the way um, OTAs have handled cancellation um, and refunding, etc., they're probably a lot quicker off the mark than maybe some um, hotels. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's giving the customer more confidence. If they do need to cancel, they'll get you know a no quibble refund straight away. Yeah, 
it definitely will be giving more confidence to the consumer, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was one OTA in particular that I felt dealt with it very well, both from a customer and from a, a property level. Um, the others were pretty quick to, to follow the lead as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think customers will, the thing is they will always trust a brand. A customer will always touch, trust a brand, whether that's, you know, a big brand hotel or whether it is the, the brand of the OTA that, that they put the trust into. And I think smaller independents maybe have an opportunity now in, in these early phases of planning and preparation to get their marketing message out there on their website to, you know, to mirror that, that, you know, you can have confidence in booking here or are flexible terms and conditions. Yeah, that's just it. I've been doing a little bit of a survey around my um, friends and family just to see what's going to trigger people to book. And it's definitely flexible cancellation policies as well up there. I mean, we know it in the industry and we read it in the industry, but I found it really interesting actually speaking to people that I know will be booking for later on the year. It's, it's cancellation policies and hygiene that's the two things that go above all else. Yep, definitely. And now, Steph, with social distancing measures causing capacity restraints as it stands at the moment, the rule is two metres and we know it's under review. Do you think revenue managers will now have to get more involved with restaurant revenue management? And do you think this would be a good move? Uh, The short answer to that is yes. Um, I think in hotels, we've generally applied a little bit of food and beverage revenue management anyway or certainly I have, you know, even if it's as basic as we know the restaurant's not that busy on a Tuesday night, for example, so let's put together a dinner, bed and breakfast package, you know, that will help support the, the restaurant on those lower demand dates. But I do think um, I do think moving forward, even non-accommodation providers, uh, you know, like standalone restaurants, etc., they really have to be looking at their demand and applying fairly simple techniques just to make sure that they make the most um, make the most of what they've got, you know, and we are going to start talking more about things like revenue per available square metre, revenue by seat or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and I think the people that will be really successful are the ones that do open with a different approach and do have different ideas. Um, and accommodation revenue managers have been doing it for years. So we are the kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're the kind of automatic go-to choice for for the the advice to give the restaurants to be able to try to yield as much revenue as possible yeah definitely definitely and i think it's just aligning all of those outlets up along with the accommodation strategy will be the challenge because we've got residents to think about um but for properties that would you know allow non-residents to book the restaurant i think there's a lot to think about there in terms of maximising, you know, the the seats that you have under those constraints to get the most use out of that space. And we've been doing it with meetings and events for such a long time now. I mean, even that doesn't seem like too new a concept anymore. But, um, you know, I think meetings and events is something that's going to take a bit of a dip. But I do think independent food and beverage will will continue to grow. Um, So it's just shifting the the focus of of your yield tools to to more the restaurants rather than the meetings and event space. And just in light of food options for customers moving forward, do you see self-catering apartments taking the lead over and above traditional hotel accommodation? Uh, I think certainly in the short term they will do. I think people will uh, have comfort in the fact that 
they're in their own bubble space they've got their own kitchen you know as long as they know that they can get supermarkets close by or they can get great food deliveries we know loads of restaurants are doing these amazing at home deals at the moment so I think if hotels can work in partnership with some bigger restaurants then or certainly their own in-house restaurant then self-catering will work um I think in the long term however people will want to go away for a holiday and they will want to go to a restaurant and dine it is the it's one of the key selling points so I do think long term that will still remain but in the short term I do think self-catering will will perhaps have a bit of a boost over the traditional hotel 32 square meter bedroom no kitchen kind of um and you mentioned earlier about you you're seeing a spike in corporate um travel across tuesdays and wednesdays which um which is quite unusual for your properties what kind of changes do you see across market segmentation moving forward oh it's difficult to say i mean there's a different story for every market segment at the moment so corporate where we are seeing a little bit of a boost just now but that is because it's essential workers. That's the only people travelling and it's the only people we're allowed to to house. So, you know, there is consequence to why we're seeing that boost. Um, I think as markets open up, we will see a little bit more of the corporate market travel, but travel bans in the big corporations will continue and that market is not going to be there forever, you know. Um, it will die down. And in the holiday market, you know, so whether it's traditional FIT or if it's more OTA or you know whatever it may be it's it's really the unknown at the moment it really really is the unknown um we do expect to see a bit of a boost in general in domestic UK leisure as we've been speaking about loads but it's what happens when the plateau comes once everybody in the UK has traveled that wants to travel we have no other markets certainly not at the moment that we're allowed to to take into the country so what happens at that point? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds over the next few months ahead. And just to round off, Steph, we've lived through this last four months and, you know, touch wood, we won't have to live through this ever again, but it's given us time to reflect and adjust our lives. If you had to pick three key takeaways, what would they be? Mm, From a hospitality perspective, certainly... um... I mean, it's been a really sad time for the industry. Um, there's been a lot of job losses um, and a lot of closures, and I think that's going to continue. So, um, But overall, I think people are still remaining really positive within the industry, or certainly these people I'm speaking to remain positive. We've got a bit of a blank canvas moving forward, so that's going to be super exciting. We can rewrite the rules. Um, and, I mean, hospitality at its core is... We're an industry of people who roll their sleeves up and get on with it, you know. And I've really noticed that people have been really adaptable and team spirit's been really high. And, you know, we're all doing things that we wouldn't have done four months ago. But, you know, that's that's hospitality at its core. Maybe we've just had a bit of a reminder how buoyant we are as an industry and how uh, multitasked we all are as individuals as well. So I think that's been a real positive as well. And Steph, I think that's a great positive note to end on. It's been great to chat to you today. Thanks for your time. And I just wanted to wish you and your team all the best for the road to recovery. Oh, thanks, see That's been good chatting. Thanks for listening to the Octopus Revenue Podcast. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, 
please subscribe so you'll be notified when we release new episodes. <laughs>